if you love boats and you love airplanes, they really are the way ahead. It's just such a, you know, you when you get in it, you're smiling. When you get out of it, you're smiling and you just can't wait to get back into it. G'day and welcome everyone to episode number 43 of On The Step with that Mallard guy. I'm your host, Dan Bolton. On The Step is all about float planes and flying boats. To get in contact with me, my email is hotmail.com, or you can follow me on Instagram and send me a message at guy. Some more Apple Podcast reviews came in this week, so thank you very much, folks. If you haven't done so yet, stop making excuses and help out your favorite seaplane podcast. This week's new patron is Sean Fowler, who joined as a Grumman Mallard Captain team member. He joins Alex Fisher as the other Grumman Mallard Captain member, both of those fellas contributing $25 a month to help on the step grow. So thanks to you, Sean and Alex. Folks, joining Patreon was a big decision for me. I am not the kind of person who enjoys asking for things, especially money, but I do put in a lot of time into this show. And although I enjoy it immensely... It certainly is rewarding to have people say they appreciate the efforts I put in by joining Patreon and showing support. My initial goal was 10 patrons and I'm excited to say that Sean was the 10th, so that means a lot, folks. For anyone else who wants to join these dedicated 10 fans of On The Step, see the link in the show notes below. Don't forget, folks, On The Step is proudly sponsored by the Seaplane Pilots Association. Last week, I mentioned that the membership yearly cost is $59.00. I didn't mention that that is the American rate. International memberships are 69, but all the people who join with the On The Step sponsor link in the show notes get it for $49. How good's that? That includes you people listening from outside of the USA all around the world. So you no longer have an excuse. Even just the amazing magazine delivered to your door six times a year is worth that. But there is so much more. Go check it out and join today. The link is in the show notes. Now, it's been a bit slow regarding seaplane news the last few weeks, but hopefully next week or two, we will have the seaplane news back up and running. No news is good news, I guess, especially when it comes to seaplane accidents. Now, after three weeks talking to some Canadian heavyweights, today's episode is heading to the UK to hear about an amazing seaplane replica build happening as we speak. In the early 1900s, seaplanes ruled the aviation world. World airspeed records were held by single-seat seaplanes almost the size of model aeroplanes, but with the engines that were the most powerful of their day. In 1927, the Supermarine S5 seaplane took victory in the Schneider Trophy air race, and today a team of people are building a replica of the famous seaplane with the aim to fly it by the 100-year anniversary of the win. I spoke with project manager Will Hosey about their progress. Let's strap on our helmet and goggles. Firing up our aggressive W12 Napier Lion engine, we'll launch into the Schneider Trophy race. Averaging speeds of over 281 miles per hour, we'll whip around the course in no time, finishing first and celebrating with a beautiful touchdown on the step. Right engine is turning. 12% fuel. A light. Alrighty, welcome to On The Step from the Supermarine S5 Project, Will Hosey. How are you going, Will? Very good. Thank you, Daniel. Awesome to have you on board, mate. I uh, mentioned this story um, a few weeks back, actually, 
I found it basically on a news article and talked a little bit about the progress and, and what you guys are kind of doing to rebuild this Supermarine S5. Mate, before we jump into the actual project itself, can you just share a little bit about your history so we get to know a little bit about who you are, mate? Yeah, um, I'm a professional pilot. Um, just been very passionate about aeroplanes from a, a very young age. Uh, gliding, started gliding and went solo when I was 16. Power flying at 17. Had a professional license at uh, 19 and um, didn't really go down the flying instructor's route, but I went down the parachute pilot's route, so got lots of flying on a, uh, a Cessna 185 and a Britain Norman Islander and a Pilatus Tobo Porter. So I did that for about a year and a half um, and probably a thousand hours uh of time you know the age of uh 18 um so that was very valuable and then i went to to uh, oxford to do a uh, an abridged course for eight weeks to do the cpl a year later when i was flying a dash seven uh, for a company called brymon in plymouth i did the uh, atpl over the winter when it was quiet um uh, there were quite a few jobs at the time, and uh, it was uh, very easy to chop and change and climb the the ladder. You know, it's not like now. And um, after the Dash 7, I went to work for a building company in the Midlands on a Beach 200 and a 90. And then I went to fly the McDonnell Douglas MD-80 for a year as a co-pilot at Bristol. They were the first uh, non-smoking airline in the country called Paramount, yeah. based at Bristol and New and Newcastle. Uh, got a command on that when I was 26, uh, and then the company went into administration, unfortunately. And um, then I went to work in Berlin and various companies in Cyprus, uh, flying a mixture of airplanes, the Airbus uh, 320, 330, Boeing 737, Wow. Uh, and now, at the moment, I'm flying for a, a Russian family on a, a little airplane, a business jet called the Challenger uh, 604. Yeah, nice. So, pretty uh, pretty long involved career in the airlines, mate. And, um, you know, now you're involved in, in this project, the Supermarine project, building an, an incredible uh, seaplane that was built in the 1920s. Uh, what kind of seaplane experience or seaplane involvement have you had over your career as well? Yep. Um, I did a seaplane rating back in about 1986 at Jack Brown Seaplane Base. Uh, and I've, I haven't flown that many aeroplanes as captain, uh, only the, the Piper Cub, uh, the 90 and the 180, uh, the Lake Amphibian. Uh, and I've had plenty of other rides, you know, in things like a, an Aztec on floats, uh, the Beach 18 on floats. Oh, wow. Um, and uh, things like a 172, but um, nothing like a mallard. No, exactly. Yeah, that's cool though that you um you found this interest. So, how how did you find the seaplane flying um back then in the 80s? I mean, I spoke to Ben Ships, the president of Jack Browns, um, a few episodes ago, and you know it's it's incredible how many people go over there to do their seaplane rating uh, at that organisation. Uh, what was it like back then? Yeah, it was very um, 
very enjoyable sort of five hours uh, course i every time we go to the states i try to go down and do a few takeoff and landings to renew the the faa seaplane uh rating uh so normally do that on a on a piper cub what was the idea for you back then i mean you're a very experienced airline pilot um i imagine that you weren't really trying to get into seaplane flying at that stage of your career what was the kind of idea to get into to doing that seaplane endorsement the Supermarine S5, uh, th- this one is deemed a, a replica. Uh, it's full size. Uh, the engine isn't uh, the original engine. It's a much smaller engine. It's a 210 horsepower uh, IO360 Continental as opposed to a 900 horse. Um, and my father, back in 1985, um, bought, um, because th- this... A replica was originated um, under a request by a company called Ready Mix Concrete in Thorpe Park, just to the west of London. And they commissioned a chap uh, called Ray Hilborn, aircraft designer, who put some plans together for a full-size uh, Supermarine S5. Uh, and they built it, and it flew well. Uh, they had an accident, um, and the wreckage of the airplane was it went down to Penzance in Cornwall. And uh, my father, in the late late uh, eighty four, maybe early eighty five, uh, bought uh, the wreckage and rebuilt uh, what was uh, left of the airplane. Uh, he effectively put uh, brand new floats, new float legs, uh, and two new wings on the airplane Uh, but unfortunately my father we lost him uh, in an accident uh, in May uh, 1987 in that airplane Uh, I'd already flown it around about um, 20 some hours Uh, a very easy airplane to fly just like a 152 on floats really a very forgiving very docile airplane Um, but um uh, I'd recently got married, and uh, I sort of tried to uh, emulate my father about a year later and built an airplane called the Steam Skybolt uh, uh, biplane. And then um, I'd always wanted to do the seaplane again to to revive it, but uh, family gets in the way and children and, and everything over the years. But um, now uh, the time is right. You know, you've got the uh, the internet. Uh, we bumped into several uh, like-minded people. Um, we got uh, a couple of trustees together, Paul Myers, uh, a 35-year-old guy from Etihad who's just unfortunately lost his job there. But he's just um, managed uh, incredibly to get a job with uh, DHL in Leipzig. And we have another trustee who's 21, uh, Liam Bennett, who's a commercial flying instructor at Oxford. And we've got Chris Gotka, who's uh, going to be our head of flight. He's a uh, Empire Test Pilot School uh, student. He's still currently serving in the Navy as an aggressor pilot on the Hawk. He flies the Sea Fury, uh, Spitfire, and the Seafire. Liam and Paul will also fly uh, the S5 when, when we get that airborne. Yeah, right. 
It's pretty incredible like to hear of this group of people who are putting together an aircraft like this, which, you know, I'm reading up about it here. It says there's only three ever built. To think that one of you has actually flown the aircraft is pretty incredible. Yeah, that's flown, flown the actual replica, not the original. Okay, right, um, yep. Nobody knows what actually happened to the originals. Uh, we've got one photograph around about 1932. Uh, this is after Britain won the Snyder Trophy in the August 1931. But there's a photograph of an S5 that uh, a garage owner uh, bought, uh, one of the original S5s, and had it on the forecourt uh, on on the grass of the forecourt of his garage and it was on the grass and the grass wasn't really quite level so it was off to one side and he had a little blackboard uh, by one of the floats and he was charging fivepence for a sit in the aeroplane uh, or you could buy the whole aeroplane for 35 pounds right. um, no yeah nobody ever knows what happened to that aeroplane or the other two um, and actually, there was a, an S6 that had an accident as well. Uh, uh, nobody seems to know whatever happened to that. How did this idea kind of come together? You mentioned there who, who's kind of part of the group there, but when did you guys actually kind of start to come up with the idea of actually getting involved and, and building this replica? Um, I, I've well, I've always had the idea, but. Um, the, the, everything sort of slotted into place last year and I, I put an advert in a, an English magazine called Pilot Magazine uh, that I think's actually circulated around um, the world. Uh, the readership in the UK is 17,600 and I put a quarter page advert in um, hoping to find an, in, uh, an investor. Uh, we're still looking for investors uh, who can actually invest and if they're suitably qualified, they can fly the airplane as well if they want to. Uh, but Paul and uh, Liam responded to the advert, and we hooked up and um, built the website over the winter and got bank accounts. Uh, the charity application, uh, the, the main benefit is that with the charity, uh, you can claim the VAT back from... Uh, the the uh, government, which obviously helps on the the uh, with the project, you know, especially at the rate of twenty percent. Um, so that goes back into the pot, um, and it's easier for people, uh, certainly in companies, to donate. If we're a charity, they they get more um, alleviation. So that's uh, we've got full charity status now since uh, May. I want to talk a little bit about the uh, the aircraft for a second there before we kind of go back into the history as well. Now, you mentioned there before that the original engine had a 900 horsepower W12 uh, liquid cool piston engine I'm reading here, the Napier Lion. Um, yep. Now, I'm also seeing some photos as well of, of on your website of uh, a fella sitting in the um, in the pilot seat, sitting up when it's taxiing around on the water there. And the size of this thing is, it's pretty small, isn't it? So, yeah, 900 yeah. horsepower must have really ripped this thing through the air. Yeah, very much. Um, the replica weighs, it's full size, but it's uh, primarily made of wood. It's uh, made from Douglas fir, uh, spruce, and uh, ply. Uh, and there's quite a lot of metal work in it as well. But the maximum all that weight 
the fighting weight of the airplane is around about 1,600 pounds. Uh, the VNE on it will be as uh, projected at 174 knots. Um, the airplane will stall at around about uh, 55. Um, the S5, the original one, uh, the one with the, the biggest motor uh, that won the race in 1927 uh, in Venice, um, that had uh, just over 900 horse. But, um, yeah, it was quite a uh, quite an aeroplane, weighed over twice as much, uh, and it was primarily uh, all metal. Uh, the replica... S5 that we had before it had water rudders on it but they were fairly ineffective um, the originals never had water rudders uh, either on the S5 or the S6 um, and for the simplicity uh, they just relied on the air rudder uh, these seaplanes as I'm sure you know they, they've got quite big fins on them and they weathercock uh, quite easily, quite difficult to turn out of wind but uh, yeah, it was quite a little pocket rocket in its day, I think. Yeah, well, they struggled to turn with that water rudders, that's for sure. Um, but I imagine with 900 horsepower, you can throw a bit of air over that air rudder and, and get a bit of turning ability out of it, um, I imagine. But yeah, it's incredible. Some of the stats I'm, I'm seeing here, the wingspan, only 8 metres, um, only 7.4 metres in length. Yeah, a pretty tiny aeroplane, really. And as you mentioned there, 900 horsepower, um, two-bladed fixed-pitch propeller. I mean, we're talking about things that are, it were built around the early 20s, so only you know 20 odd years after flight was really started. So, pretty incredible. Um, what other kind of interesting stuff can you tell us about the S5 back in the day? All of the the aeroplanes were designed by R.J. Mitchell uh, and his son uh, and his uh, team. Uh, the we were, we actually had an invite to his house. Uh, we went there. There was about eleven of us. Uh, you might see some photographs on the uh, on the uh, website. Uh, but really, quite amazing to go to you know the house that he lived and and actually passed away in. And when he passed away, the garden, uh, the um, the lady, Rowena, John and Rowena, that uh, have lived there since 1972. Uh, he's a retired pathologist. Uh, they got a photograph that the the garden, uh, and it was a substantially sized uh, house and garden, but it was full of flowers. Uh, he was so highly thought of and so highly regarded. Uh, but the aeroplanes, uh, when they were off the drawing board, they were built up on the River Itchen at the Supermarine Factory, and then they were taken down to Calshot uh, and assembled and test flown and either raced at Calshot or places like in, in Venice where they actually uh, won uh, the race uh, in 1927. So the, the 100th anniversary, so it's only um, just about six and a bit years away. So we're aiming to get this S5 replica uh, airborne in the April of 2023. Yeah, nice. Yeah, that'll time in well with that 100-year anniversary as well. Um, let's talk a little bit about the, the actual Schneider Trophy as well because this wasn't a, a very long... Uh, it, didn't, it didn't last very long. It kind of went from around 1913 through to about 1930 with a bit of a break there, I imagine, um, due to the, the First World War. Um, tell us a little bit about the history of, of the Schneider Trophy. 
The Schneider Trophy was uh, the brainchild of a French industrialist called Jacques Schneider. It was really designed for the rich, uh, you know, back in 1913 through to 1920. And they raced down in Monaco uh, primarily and in um, in Italy, uh, the French, the English, the Americans. And... Um, it was. Uh, it happened every two years. It, it was a biannual race, and eventually, as time went on, the aeroplanes got faster. There was much more thought going into the design. You know, the word aerodynamic had, had never even been invented then. You know, <laughs> and um, the as the aeroplanes got faster up into the sort of. 160, 180 miles an hour, The a couple of people in the military uh, began to take notice. And over three or four years of watching races and watching uh, the process of development, you know, in high-speed flight, they and then the Second World War, um, you know, it wasn't too far away, the military became very interested, so the, the, it really became a military thing. Um, and the race, the Americans dropped out. Uh, so it was really between, uh, in the last couple of races, between the Italians uh, and the British. And of course, as we all know, because Britain won the race uh, three times, they got to win the trophy. Uh, quite interesting that the last race that uh, Britain won, uh, they got to keep the trophy. Uh, Britain were the, were actually the only contender in the race. Oh wow! Because uh, yeah, because due to rules and regulation, uh, you know, race th th these airplanes were really, if you like, thoroughbreds of their time. You know, and they had fuel problems, they had cooling problems, they had drag problems. Um, they had uh, oil problems, ventilation problems in the cockpit. And um, it was really quite something. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, looking at some of the numbers here uh, for average speeds, you know, starting back in 1913, average speed for the winner, 45 miles an hour. And then, you know, post-war, it, it, it jumps up to over 107. And then uh, into 19. Well, 1927, when the S5 won, I can see that it's jumped up to 281.66 miles per hour as an average speed. I mean, these things really yeah. whipped around, didn't they? One of the... We haven't signed the deal yet, but we're hoping to have an engine sponsor. And one of the, uh, the company that we're hoping to have, the chap we're dealing with is called... Uh, his surname is Waghorn. And, of course, the pilot of the time that won the 27 race is actually called Waghorn. And I hadn't really cottoned on to this until a couple of weeks. Um, but they're in the process of checking. They come from a village. The grandparents come from a village only 14 miles from where uh, Henry Denver's Waghorn uh, came from. Okay. So there may actually be a, a link uh, there, uh, Henry Denver's Waghorn. After he won the race in '27, uh, he got married the following July, and uh, he was unfortunately killed a couple of years later testing a, a multi-engine airplane over Farnborough. Um, but they, they both of the people uh, jumped out of the airplane successfully by parachute, but he landed on the uh, the roof of a, a building, 
at Farnborough and uh, fell off the building. Uh, and after a couple of days in the hospital, he unfortunately passed away. Yeah, it's an incredible little link back in history. Hopefully that kind of works out for you guys and you can have that engine sponsor as well. Um, on the trophy, it says, I'm reading here um, on the trusted Wikipedia source, in 1981, the, the Schneider Trophy had a bit of a revival and it's been kind of, looks like it's been racing almost ever since in, in some small aircraft. Yeah, we we were invited. We took My father took the original when he was alive to Bembridge, to the Isle of Wight. It was, at that time, it was sponsored by digital computers. So this would have been, a, I think, 85, 86. Um, uh, we were there for the first... Um, Schneider uh, Cup, the, the Schneider Trophy and the Schneider Cup are quite different, um, but the Schneider Cup was revived by digital by digital computers and indeed sponsored by them, and they probably had about seventy um, light aircraft, all, all single engine, um, but each aeroplane, no matter how fast you were, you had a handicap, uh, and I think the first aeroplane that won it might have been something like a uh, Christian Eagle or something. Oh, I'm reading here, it's, yeah, in 1981, it was a Piper Archer. So, yeah, it's, and it's Archer, a bit of a different yeah. different, um, different race, no, not really a seaplane race anymore. No, all, all land-based. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if it's still running today, but uh, when we get close to completion, we'll, we'll um, keep our ears to the ground and try to attend events like that. We're hoping to do, uh, if it happens next year, the Goodwood uh, revival um, probably in May or June to try and attract some funding. And when the aeroplane's flying, um, we'll be doing things like corporate events, uh, you know, the Southampton Boat Show, anything around the South Coast, anything close to water, uh, Duxford, uh, any of the big air shows. Uh, The aeroplane will either fly to them and land on a nearby lake or reservoir, uh, or we can trailer it. It's about a four and a half hour derig, and then we can rig it on site. But it's really, uh, I think everybody that's linked with this aeroplane, it's just, everybody is just so passionate about it that, you know, it's important that people can see it, uh, touch it, uh, have a sit in it, have their photographs in it, uh, and really keep alive um you know this aeroplane and hopefully uh, a couple of others in the future yeah uh, it's uh, it's really important part of the jigsaw to have one of these aeroplanes uh flying you know this will be the only uh s5 in the world uh we've got plans for another aeroplane in the future um but uh, once the s5 is financially secure uh we'll go official with that but um yeah no it's a quietly exciting time yeah, as you mentioned there, like you're basically creating this aircraft for the public, um, and one of the big things would be to bring it to air shows. And and these days, obviously, air shows are all basically, you know, run at airfields. Um, and this is a straight float seaplane. Was there any ever thought about putting it on on some amphibs just to be able to get it into some airfields? Yeah, we 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 thought about it, um, but we wanted to be as true to the original as possible um they you know and not to have any purists um comment uh, on the airplane that it's uh, we, we really wanted it to be as close to um 
you know, what was representing Great Britain back in 1927. And, and it really meant, you know, keeping it strictly to a float plane. I, and it'd still be good to do some flyovers at, as you mentioned, some boat shows, and, and you can actually land on the water there at some boat shows. That'd be pretty cool. Um, yeah, that's right. We can tie up alongside, you know, the Southampton boat show is a very big concern. Uh, there's two or three marine uh, races in the area. Um, I think once people know that the aeroplane is available, you know, for either corporate work or private work, uh, the uh, landing on the Thames, for example, um, that, that's been done before with this aeroplane back in 1977, I think, for the Silver Jubilee. Um, yeah, no, there's lots of scope. So what, whereabouts is the project up to right now? Like I say on your website, you've, got, you've broken it down in kind of seven phases uh, from kind of receiving approval in phase one all the way through to, to phase seven there into flight testing. Um, whereabouts is the, the actual project up to right now? Well, we need 275,000. We've got, I think it's 83,000. Uh, 20,000 of that 83 is the engine sponsor. Uh, and we're, we're just sorting out the detail with them at the moment. So we are a quarter of the way through funding pretty well. Uh, there's some of that money as a slush fund, so we can probably uh, be a little bit tighter with that. So around about 25 or 27% of the funding is there already. Uh, the wings have been started. They're being built by Bill Penaluna, uh, an 80-year-old chap who built... Um, quite a lot of the airplanes. There was a very famous film years ago called Those Magnificent Men and the Flying Machines with the actor Terry Thomas. Yep. Uh, he, he, he built quite a few of those and many others like Sop with Camels, Sop with Pups, Fokker Triplanes and things. Um, so he's building the wings. He lives in Bordeaux, um, which has its problems at the moment with COVID uh, about having the airplane and the wings inspected. Um, so as soon as the second lockdown is finished, uh, we'll be due for an inspection. Uh, he's just waiting to start the spars. Uh, so all of the ribs, uh, 22 ribs, they're all finished. Uh, they're in three sections. And then he can start the spars uh, before we he closes those where he's due an inspection. And then it's really assembling the wing, all the metallic works, uh, all the hinges, aileron hinges, bell cranks, uh, compression struts, uh, the wing wing mounting uh, metallic parts. They've they've all been done by Paul Baisden at South End. So we're hoping to uh, this wretched COVID keeps uh, keeps. Um, uh, eroding our time scale a little bit, but at the moment we are on the time scale. But um, we're hoping to get the wings uh, back into the country by March, April. Uh, we're hoping to start the floats probably in January. And we went to pick up our trailer yesterday that's been sponsored uh, fully by the Royal Air Force Heritage Society. Uh, so they funded, uh, they wanted to fund something that they can identify. So they went for the trailer in the end, um, and that'll be all branded up. So uh, we'll be giving them, them some photographs at the end of December uh, with the trailer. It's a, a you, you can launch the seaplane from it. It's a hydraulic tilting uh, th triple axle trailer. 
six meters long by 2.2 wide. And once they have the photographs, they've said that we can apply in January for more funding. So they will hopefully sponsor another element of the airplane. Uh, if we are allowed to attend uh, an event like uh, Goodwood, uh, which is a very prestigious, uh, I don't know if, you ever, if you've ever been, but it's a, it's a huge televised, very prestigious event that uh, a lot of celebrities and anybody that's anybody will go. But we're hoping to attend that and uh, we, we have an invite. Uh, we're just hoping it comes off with the COVID. But we are looking to have the floats, the wings and the legs uh, finished. Uh, the trader obviously will have a, a marquee uh, and will be aiming to start the fuselage um, subject to more funding uh, in October 2021 for the first flight in April 2023. Incredible process. It's going to be uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of hard work put together by you guys, but uh, uh, well worth it in the end. Um, who who is planning to do the the first flight test, and what what will be the flight testing kind of involvement? Uh, well, the aeroplane is a proven design. It has flown before, but we've, we're very lucky to have a a full test pilot from the ETPS Empire Test Pilot School at Boscombe Down, a guy called Chris Gotka, who still currently flies the Sea Fury. He was a, an F-35 uh, development pilot for the, uh, the Royal Air Force, uh, helped develop the flight control system. So he's one of three people um, that were involved in that. Um, so he's very current and very well known and respected within the Civil Aviation Authority, the LAA, uh, and the display circuit, and in, in the magazine world. So he'll be doing the first uh, water trials. Uh, Francis Donaldson, the chief engineer at the LAA, will, I'm hoping he'll come down and help uh, be involved with the basic water trials. Um, and then the first few flights will be uh, Chris Kotka, um, uh, yeah, up until the issue of the permit. Mate, when you flew this aircraft back in the 80s there, how did you find it as a seaplane on the water? Yeah, very um, very enjoyable. I flew it as a 26-year-old. Um, if you love boats and you love aeroplanes, they really are the way ahead. It's just such a, you know, you when you get in it, you're smiling. When you get out of it, you're smiling and you just can't wait to get back into it. Uh, when we flew it at Falmouth uh, on a Sunday, there were quite a few people watching, but uh, there was a church uh, close by, and the, the vicar said he always used to have to do a, an extra extra special sermon in the morning to keep everybody in because they all wanted to go out and watch uh, the seaplane fly. Yeah, right. It's exciting, exciting times, mate. Um, really looking forward to, to seeing this take off and, and kind of get built up. and Yeah. Um, it is very exciting. Hopefully, I can uh, bring a bit of attention to it and hopefully we can find some more sponsors as well. Yeah, well, if you can help us raise money, uh, Daniel, um, and you're about when the aeroplane's flying, and say if there's anything you can contribute to the project, you know, I'm sure we can we can send you off solo in it. <laughs> I'll, yeah, I'll, I might have to hold you there. I don't know if, how much I can pull out of the piggy bank at the moment, mate, but I was owed a, uh, a trip to trip to England this year actually um, in July but because of COVID um, that was uh, obviously turned on its head uh, it was for my 30th birthday um, 
So the wife has promised me that we will get back there at one stage. I might have to time this in with the flight testing in 2023 and, and come over there and check it all out and, and say hello to you guys. So. Yeah, for sure. Well, well, if you do come over, we'll host you. You, c- you can come and stay with us and um, you'll be part of the team for a few days. Uh, quite interesting, the fact the other day I learned uh, we went to Calshot and then to the uh, RJ Mitchell's house and finished off the day at the Solent Sky Museum where they have one of the uh, S6s. And uh, they were telling us that the engine that was in the S6, um, this was before the the advent of the Merlin, but the the engine uh, was called a Rolls-Royce R series. And a quite interesting uh, point that when the S6 won the race, uh, in 31, the engine was actually on loan to them by Rolls-Royce. And after the race, the engine was taken out of the uh, of the air machine, the S6, and put into um, Sir Malcolm Campbell's car. Uh, and he claimed the land speed record. And then they took it out of the car and put it into his boat. Um, so that one engine, there were only 39 of them made, uh, held the air, land, and sea record. That's incredible. So, so that in, that so just stepping back there with that air record, uh, that was also the the world's fastest aeroplane at the time as well. That's right. The S five was at the time. Yep, nineteen twenty seven. There's a couple of uh, things I can tell you, uh, maybe on the next podcast or the one after that, uh, that you'll be you'll be very interested. We we do have plans for a a couple of other things. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're, we're really, uh, I think everybody in the team, you know, Colin Van Geffen, Chris Gotka, uh, Paul Basden, John Whiten, Paul Myers and Liam Bennett and myself, we're, we're all very passionate about aeroplanes and really wanting to uh, put this piece of the jigsaw back into into reality. Yeah, that's exciting, mate. Yeah, we'll have to definitely get you back on. Um, I just find that so incredible that um, that speed record was a seaplane. You know, it probably shows how big seaplanes were back then, weren't they? Like in those early years of aviation. Very, very much. Uh, Chris Gotka was curious about that as well. But at the time, you know, in the in the thirties, late twenties, early thirties, the the, the uh, there were no long runways on on land. Uh, which is why seaplanes were popular, uh, and of course that went the other way, you know, in the end. But um, yeah, the uh, S6 and then the S6B went over 400 miles an hour uh, later on after Boothman won the trophy for us in 31. But uh, yeah, quite a bit of, of uh, history there. Yeah, it's incredible. Just <laughs> with those big floats hanging out, it just shows how powerful those engines were as well. And and I think really the size of the aeroplane, as I mentioned before, looking at the photo of the S5, it's just so tiny with a 900 horsepower engine. It's just, uh, you know, the power to weight ratios must have been ridiculous. But I'm just looking at that land speed, uh, or sorry, the um, the flight airspeed records. And, you know, I found that 1931, the, the Supermarine S6B, at 407 and then it was beaten again by another seaplane a Mackie 
And then at 34, another Mackie type seaplane, 440. Um, and then it kind of goes to land planes, I think, from there. So, yeah, just it's incredible that they just kept breaking these records uh, with seaplanes. So, um, some incredible stuff there. But, um, Will, it's been awesome kind of talking to you about this this project here. And, and I'm really excited to that I've stumbled across it and hopefully um, can watch this build over the next few years and eventually see it in the air myself one day um obviously there's been uh, some other cool uh, seaplanes in the uk there being you know on on the kind of uh, air show circuit being uh, i'm talking about the the catalina project miss pickup um she's stuck over in uh scotland as we as we speak at the moment uh with that engine trouble have you kind of met up with any of those guys and, and kind of seeked some advice on how to run something like this uh, no, I've seen the Catalina. It came into Somerset um, due to bad weather uh, a couple of years ago, and one of one of my friends in a local village um, phoned up uh, a little bit perplexed, and he said, you, "You're never going to believe this, but I think that a boat has just flown over my house." And I said, "Well, <laughs> that that that'll that'll be the Catalina," and of course, a few minutes later, it landed, and it's just the most um, fabulous uh sound uh, it looks you know a million dollars uh I've, i chatted to a couple of the guys you, you can buy into it as i'm sure people know and if you're lucky enough at the time and there's a slot and you qualified i gather you can be a part of the operating crew yeah no I spoke to them before it's pretty incredible um it's it's going to be awesome to see these two airplanes kind of maybe working together one day at air show circuits um you know that'd be pretty cool to see I reckon. But, Will, it's been awesome, yeah, as I mentioned, to have you on board, and I really appreciate it, and I hope you've had fun um, coming on the step. Yeah, very much. If anybody wants to look at the website, it's supermarineseaplane.co.uk. We'd love you to be a part of the project. If you want to invest or donate or anything like that, there's some memorabilia, you know, polo shirts, mugs on the site. Uh, And if you want to invest and with the view to fly the airplane i'm sure we can accommodate that too awesome thanks very much will take care daniel bye-bye and that's the show for today folks all the best to will and his team at supermarine seaplane on their project and we will be certain to come back to them in the future with an update on their progress a link will be in the show notes to go check out their website and their instagram page now is the time to share this episode, folks. Review with Apple Podcasts, join me on Patreon, become a Seaplane Pilots Association member, and go and listen to more of On The Step. So not much for you guys to do. Speaking of the SPA, next episode I am joined by the co-host of the amazing water flying podcast run by the Seaplane Pilots Association, Abby Callett. But until next time, everyone, thanks for coming on The Step. <laughs>